0: We are re- finishing up our series because as kids grow, we want them to grow into fully functioning adults. And spiritually, wherever, whatever stage you're in spiritually, we want you to grow to become spiritually mature. So one of the things we've talked about over the last, I mean, several things we've talked about over the last few weeks is mature believers know that it's a community. We do this together. This is not a self-supporting thing. Faith is done loving, serving, being in community with one another. We told the story of John the Baptist. A spiritually mature viewpoint is when John the Baptist said, he must become greater, I must become less. It is about Jesus and magnifying him and not about me. It's about dying to self and honoring Jesus. Christy spoke a couple of weeks ago on having, how Jesus and our salvation in him should remain our first love. We should never lose the joy of that. We talked about kingdom allegiance, certainly during election time, where ultimately we are allegiant to the kingdom of God. All other political and earthly allegiances come secondary to that. Last week, we talked about it is an active faith, spiritually mature, is an active kind of Holy Spirit-empowered, living faith. And today, we're wrapping it up, and we're going to start in the book of Luke, chapter 18, verse 18. And we're going to read a story of the rich young ruler And there's kind of a bigger picture at work that we're talking about today than just about money. But one of the things we're talking about today is spiritually mature believers are generous and trusting with their resources. So we're going to start in Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18, verse 18. It's the story of the rich young man. A certain ruler asked him, talking about Jesus, this rich young ruler came up and asked Jesus, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother. All of these I have kept since I was a boy, he said. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, you still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. And when he heard this, he became very sad because he was very wealthy. And Jesus looked at him and said, how hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? Indeed, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard asked this, who then can be saved? Jesus replied, what is impossible with man is possible with God. And Peter said to him, we have left all we had to follow you. Truly I tell you, Jesus said to them, no one who has left home or wife or brothers or sisters or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will fail to receive many times as much in this age and in the age to come eternal life. Let's pray briefly for a moment here. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that we get opportunities to look into your scripture today. Help us to be mindful that we need the Word of God to be living in us and active in us. But Lord, as we look into this idea today of being spiritually mature with our resources, I pray that you would just open hearts, that you would help me to communicate this well, and for us to grow closer to you. That's our prayer today. In Jesus' name, amen. This story of the rich young ruler is about money, but there's a bigger picture involved. And here it is. There are always moments in our life of faith, in your life of faith, where Jesus is going to ask you something. He's going to face you with a choice, and the choice is this. Are you willing to give it all? Are you willing to give it all? There's times in our faith where we are faced with that choice. Are we willing to give it all? And a mature faith recognizes that we are recipients of undeserved grace and eternal life at the hands of a loving God. And that's an amen moment, right? That's good, right? a God who gave it all for us. And a mature faith is willing, who re- recognizes that, is willing to give it all for God. A mature faith is willing to give it all. This rich young man in Luke chapter 18, he wanted to follow Jesus. He was following him. He was doing all the things. He was obeying all the commandments and he was going great. And he asked Jesus, what must I do? It was, there was an intent there to follow Jesus. But Jesus recognized there was one area of his life that had a higher allegiance in his heart than Jesus did, and that was his wealth. He had great wealth. He had, he had a lot of money, and Jesus said, that's the one area of your life that you have yet to give up. So, I'm asking you to give it all, Jesus said. Sell everything and give it to the poor, and the rich young man was not willing to do that. Specifically today, we're talking about generosity, and in a broader theme. We're talking about being willing to give it all. A mature faith is generous with resources. So I know churches have done a bad job talking about money. I know some of you are here and like, oh man, I do like it when the churches talk about money. Anyone, I mean, you don't need to raise your hand, right? Anyone ever felt like that? Maybe you're feeling that right now. And here's the, here's the deal. There are a couple of reasons I know, maybe if you're watching online, you're logging off right now. Oh, it's another sermon about money. Here's what I know about why people are skeptical when churches talk about money. And the first one is this, churches have done a bad job in the past of using money. There are stories of churches that have misused money. We read stories in the news sometimes, churches that have mismanaged funds, embezzled funds, churches that are all about give more, give more, give more, because I need a new private jet, you know, to fly around Farmington in. I don't know if that would really work. I guess there's an airport over there. I could, you know, churches have done, I don't need a jet, just so you know. Churches have done a bad job and sent the message that they're all about money. At times. So there is, re- if you're skeptical about churches and money, I'm guessing there's a good reason. That either it's because the church has done a bad job at communicating this, or the second reason is this. People get a little bit skeptical about the church and money because people tend to be very protective about their money, right? When we start talking about that, it's like, oh, now, you know, this is what's near and dear to my heart. So you better watch what you say, Pastor. It's funny because I, I joke about it like this. People come into church, maybe you came into church today and you checked your kids into kids' church downstairs, you have no idea what's going on down there, but you're like, ah, I trust them, I'm sure it's fine, you can speak into my kids and it'll be just fine, right? Take my kids, it'll be good, but don't talk to me about my money, right? You talk about my money and that's where I get a little bit defensive, just so you know, things are going well downstairs. We have highly trained professionals that are down there, Um, so we do take good care of your kids. I just wanted to, uh, maybe some of you are newer to this church or new to church, and you don't really understand how it all works, so I'm going to give you a few details about how we as Homestead Church handle money that is given in the offering, and then we're going to just talk about the big picture today, about us being willing to give it all for Jesus, all right? So at Homestead Church, we are an autonomous church. We are an Assemblies of God church. We're a part of the denomination, the Assemblies of God, but we are autonomous in leadership, Christy and I are the pastors here. We have a board and we are autonomous in leadership and we are autonomous in support. We are self-supporting, which means everything we do as a church from paying staff members to funding ministries to paying the bills here at the building to buying pizza for the youth on Friday nights if we do that or having donuts here on Sunday. All the ministry that we do is funded by the offerings that are collected from the people of Homestead Church. There's not a, a national denomination office that sends us money. Not a big bucket of money appears on my front porch every Monday morning to fund the church. It is through the people of Homestead Church. That's why we take offerings on Sunday. Now, most regular supporters, Christy mentioned this, you can give online. Most people give through our website or through their banking online bill pay. But we still do offer opportunities to give in the offering. Megan Merricks is a staff member here. She manages all the finances at the church. She pays all the bills. She handles all the deposits and all the banking. There are other leaders at the church, including myself. We have eyes on all the finances. It's not just one person that's doing it. We have multiple people looking at the finances of the church. When the offering is counted on a Sunday morning, it's never handled by just one person. There's accountability there. Um, Giving to Homestead Church is tax deductible, so if you give to the church, you'll get a tax receipt at the end of the year for the taxes for that year. And here's the point. Here's why I mention this is I take seriously... Christy and I, as the pastors of this church, we take seriously how we handle money in this church. We recognize it's God's money, and I'm not going to be the one that messes with God's money, okay? I recognize this is God's money. That is sobering to me on how we handle money, how we spend money, how we do different things, is this is God's money. There was times during the construction process in this building where I'd be in meetings, and I'd get discouraged, and I'm like, oh man, like that's real money on a line item for this or this fee or architects or builders or whatever. And I'm like, oh, and I I would think, like, that's God's money that people were giving. And there was times where if I was annoyed at the construction company or whatever, I'd think to myself, all right, well, if you guys want to mishandle God's money like that, you go right ahead, like, almost like, okay, let's see what happens now. But deep down, there's a realization, this is God's money, and we're going to be good stewards of it. In fact, for everyone here and everyone watching online a very good first step about managing our money would be to realize that very thing. It's all God's money. What you have is God's money. God gave you what you have. God provides. It's all his. So I want to put everybody at ease this morning as I talk about this. We're not going to pass the plates again at the end. Uh, We're not going to like, I'm not going to try to stiff arm you into giving more money today. And here's what I want you to know. We don't want your money. Okay, and you're like, well, that's the worst stewardship sermon I've ever heard from a pastor. We don't want your money. We trust God to provide for Homestead Church. We trust that God's going to provide. He wants to use you to do it, but there's a bigger heart issue at work than that. We don't want your money. We trust God to provide, and if you are here, if you never give a dime to Homestead Church, we still love you and welcome you. We're going to minister to you. You are part of this church. At no point, if there's a hospital visit that I need to go on, am I going to pull up the giving record and be like, well, how long do I have to stay at this hospital visit, right? How, how much hospital pastoral care have they earned? That's not it at all, okay? If you never give a dollar to this church, we love you and you're a part of this church. We don't want your money. We trust that God is providing. This is a heart thing. Why I'm talking about this is a heart thing because God doesn't want your money either. God wants your heart. God wants every area of your life. Okay? This, this is said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. This is a very familiar verse when preachers are talking about money. Matthew 6, verse 19 says this, "'Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also.'" That last line we got to get, "'Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also.'" This rich young ruler, the story we read, his heart was ultimately loyal to his treasure. The thing that kept him from going all in with Jesus, the thing that kept him from following Jesus was that he was ultimately loyal to his treasure. That's what had his heart. If I wanted to know what was most important to you in your life, I could look at your calendar and I could look at your bank statement and that would tell me everything I needed to know what was most important to you. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. And the reason why God wants us to be generous with money is because that money is often that thing that is like the highest allegiance in our life, that thing that is so hard for us to let go. It's that thing that we have and we've earned and it's mine and I got to use it and I got to be secure and safe and I got to provide and don't ask me to give that up. This is why God knows he wants to institute this idea of generosity to get rid of that idolatry in our life. If there's an idol in our life of money and wealth, the best way to dethrone that idol is to start just being generous, right? The best way to get rid of just fear and concern, I, it sounds backwards, I know, but the best way to get rid of fear and concern is to just be generous and say, God, I trust you. That's the best thing we can do. This is what the rich young ruler was unable to do, but this is why God wants us to be generous with our money. Generosity is how we dethrone that idol of selfishness, self-sufficiency, and it's how we learn how to trust because God is our provider. Amen? Can we say amen to that? God is our provider. God owns all the resources, and he promises to provide for you. He promises to provide for you. I recognize in this culture that in this world we're in now economically there are a lot of people facing job loss or going down to half time or trying to find different jobs. I recognize that. And the biggest encouragement I can give to you today is trust that God is going to provide for you. He owns all the resources and he loves you and loves to provide for his kids. This is good news today. So, the way for us to dethrone that idol of self sufficiency is to just be open handed and unlike the rich young ruler, say, Jesus, you can have it all. I'm willing to give it all. I'm willing to give it all. He owns all the resources and he promises to provide. And here's what God wants to do with finances around the world here's how God set up money. And what we do in our world is we see money like a game of hungry, hungry hippos. You ever played that game? Maybe it's no longer a game anymore, but. Parents know what that was. It's the marbles in the middle, and you hit the thing, and the little hippo's head goes out, and the idea is to snatch up as many marbles as you can and collect as many as you can. That's how we view money in this world. There's only so much, and we got to grab as much as we can because then we, I don't know what we do with all the marbles at the end, but with money, it's like now I can live, I can be comfortable, I can be secure, I can be safe. This is how we view money. How God views money is this. He has it all, And he wants to funnel resources to different people, people who are in need, ministries, missionaries. God says, I want to provide for people, and I want to use you to do it. So he gives us resources, not so that we can do this, so that we can funnel them to other people. And then what happens is that God says, ah, there's someone who gets it there's someone who I can trust. I'm gonna funnel more resources through them so that we can give more to other people and be more of a blessing. And when the flow of resources in our life stops being this and starts being like receiving from God so that we can funnel it out, man, that does a work in our heart. That not only blesses the people that are recipients of that blessing, but in our life, we receive the bigger blessing because we've dethroned the idol of self, We've put our trust in God, and we realize that the resources are here to be a blessing to others. Does that make sense? That is the flow of resources, how God wants to use us. He's looking for people who will do that so that he can say, oh, they get it. I can trust them. If God provides resources to us and we do this, he's going to say, well, they don't get it their heart is not mine. They're not, they're not doing it like what's supposed to be done. I often wonder why God set it up that we would be like his hands and feet in the world because I think we're bad at it a lot of times. Like for us to be the care to the like how we bring the Holy Spirit to others and we're evangelizing the world and God uses us to, to bring good news and to provide and care, I often think, God, you could have probably come up with a better plan, but yet we're the plan. So for financial resources to flow, that's who God is using, you. He's giving you what he has so that you can flow it out to other people, and he will continue to provide. He's going to continue to provide, and God's going to know that he can trust us because our heart is surrendered to him. So here's the question many people ask when preachers talk about money. So how much should we give? You know, you might be thinking, what's the bottom line here? Is this like a $29.99 monthly payment for seven easy installments of $19.99. How much should we give? Well, it's important, as I've mentioned already, when we start talking about this, is to remember it's all his anyways. It's all his anyways. So I want to illustrate this. Does anyone have a set of car keys with them that they could throw to me just real quick? Anyone have a set of car keys? I need to borrow a car. Matt Hawks, okay. Matt Hawks, I'm going to borrow your car. Ooh, a Ford. Ford. Nice. we got to pass the offering plates over by Matt. He's driving a Ford. No, I'm just kidding. It's, this is the big people mover van, right? Yes. Awesome. So let's say I need to borrow a van and I borrow Matt's van. Whose van is it? It's Matt's van. I'm borrowing it. He's lent me the keys so that I can use it. So let's say I use the van and I'm all done with the van. When I'm done using the van, I'm, I take good care of it because you know it's Matt's van. But when I'm done with it, I have two choices. I can keep the van or I can give it back to Matt, right? Whose van is it? It's Matt's. So at no point when I give the keys back to Matt am I saying, Matt, I'm giving you a van. Matt would say, no, it's my van. I just let you borrow it. You're simply returning to me what was mine. So that's what happens here. I'm returning to Matt. We did a good athletic thing there. That was great. Um, (laughs) When you're me, you celebrate the small athletic achievements like throwing a set of keys. When I do that, I'm saying, you lent it to me, I stewarded it well, and I give it back to you. It wasn't, it was never mine. This is how God views resources. This is why God instituted this. It's his resources, we steward this, and when we take give to him, it's never like, oh, here God, I give back, I give you something. It's, you're returning to him what's already his. Does that make sense? So, To help us get this, God instituted the principle of tithing. Tithe, that's a very churchy word. In the Old Testament, God instituted tithing to mean this. Tithe means tenth. So one-tenth would be given to God. So this wasn't like bank accounts and online banking. This was crops and harvests and livestock. If you are a rancher, you had livestock. And so what God said is, I want the first fruits of the harvest or a tenth of what you get or the first of the flocks to be given back to him. This was the understanding was, I give God the first. So the first of the harvest, I give to God if the first of the flock, the, of the livestock, I give back to God. Now, if you're a rancher and your cattle have an offspring, that's your future income. And what God says is take the first one and give it as a sacrifice. Well, when it's the first one, it's all you've got, right? What you're doing then is you're offering God the first because you trust him to provide the rest. It's very different than saying at the end of the month I have this much left over so I could maybe slice off a little bit and give that to God now that I know that everything's been provided for. God's economy is this. We trust him with the first because we know he's going to provide the rest. This is why the principle of tithing, so in today's day and age, it would be 10% of your income, the first tenth, goes to God. And what we're doing is we're saying, God, I want to be obedient to you because I know you're going to provide the rest, okay? That's the principle of tithing. But that's in the Old Testament. So what about today? What about New Testament believers? A lot of people would say, Tithing is Old Testament. We don't need to do that anymore, just like all the old, other Old Testament rules. We don't need to follow those anymore. Um, we're not sacrificing our cattle on the altar anymore, so it's the same thing, okay? It's an Old Testament principle. And here's the deal. You're right. It is an Old Testament principle. Tithing the 10% is the Old Testament thing, okay? Some of you are like, whoa, Jeff's going to get in trouble if other people hear him say that. They're right. Jesus doesn't want 10%. Jesus gives us the number for New Testament believers in Luke chapter 14, okay? So, we were in Luke 19, just flip back a little bit. Luke 14, 33 is here's where Jesus gives us the number, okay, for New Testament believers. Jesus is teaching in Luke 14, verse 33, in the same way, those of you who do not give up, what's that word? Everything you cannot be my disciples. And you're like, oh, everything. I was hoping Jesus' New Testament principle would be more like 2 or 3%. But no, Jesus says it's not 10%, it's everything. If you can't give up everything, you can't be my disciple. That's a hard teaching, unless you fully trust in him that he's going to provide for everything you need. Being willing to give up everything. Mature faith is willing to give it all. Full devotion. So that story of the rich young man that we read He was not willing to do that. But here's the thing, and I want to make a a point here. Jesus, when he was talking to the rich young ruler, he didn't say to him, I want you to live with nothing. That was not Jesus' call, was it? Remember the story? He didn't say, I'm calling you to live with nothing. What did he say? I'm calling you to give up everything. Everything. Now in our mind, if we have a limited finance kind of worldview, that's the same thing. If we give everything, we have nothing. But that's not what Jesus said. And the rich young ruler left the conversation too early because Jesus went on and said, if you anything you give up, God is gonna repay you on this earth and the next, God is gonna provide. So it's never once that God says you need to live with nothing, but God says you have to give up everything. And there's a difference. When we are willing, when we live open-handed to God. He says, I can use that. I can provide with that. I can flow resources through that and bless you and cause you to prosper. This is what God's economy looks like. I, I get sad about the story of the rich young ruler. This is one of those stories in Scripture that sad, saddens me because he left the conversation too early. He left the conversation as Jesus was about to say, but if you do, God's going to provide for you. You will be blessed, not only on this earth, but in the next earth. The rich, All the rich young ruler said is, oh, i got to give up what I love, my resources. And you know what? The rich young man, we never hear about him again in Scripture. That's the only time he's mentioned. And I often think, whenever I read that story, I often think, what would have happened if he would have been willing to follow Jesus with everything that day? What would have happened? I imagine that he, because of this encounter with Jesus he probably from a distance kind of kept tabs on Jesus and what he was doing. I imagine that when Jesus was crucified, this guy knew about it. And I imagine when he rose again, this guy heard about it. And I imagine he got somewhere down the road, the end of his life, he thought, what would have happened if I would have just committed? Perhaps the pages of Scripture would be filled of great things that God did through this rich young man's life how he could have been blessing others how he could have funded churches how he could have you know what what who knows what god could have done with an open heart that was willing to trust him so the number one way we can mature in our hearts is to surrender to loosen our grip on our lives our resources to change the flow of resources in our life so when we invite you to give this is not about us and i know as a pastor staff member of a church that collects a salary from this church I know there's great conflict of interest there when I get up and talk about this. But you just got to know, it's not about us. When we invite you to give and be generous, this is not about us getting more. This is all about us giving it all so that we trust in him, right? This is about a trust thing. This is a heart thing. This is about trusting that God is going to provide when we are generous with our resources, amen? We good? Okay, so I encourage people to tithe. Give 10%. Um, And I'll just say this. If everybody in our church tithes, we have a lot of people in our church that give 10%, and that's what funds a lot of what goes on in this church. If everybody tithed in our church just 10%, we could buy land we would build buildings we could plant churches our goal and our dream is to plant other churches in some of the surrounding communities we could we could plant we could fund those church plants we could send all the teenagers in our church on a missions trip we could fund all the ministries in our community that are like food shelf and that are reaching out to the poor i don't want i don't ever want to start a food shelf here. What I want to do is fund the people that are already doing it and say, we want to bless you. Here is money that we can... We have a people who trust God to provide and we are generous with our resources. So homeless shelters and food shelves and other things like that, we just want to fund them. I would love to be able to go to, the, to a, a community... Um, ministry or someone that's meeting the needs in our community, the free meal that the Methodist church does, loaves and fishes on Wednesday nights, I would love to be able to just say, hey, we're underwriting this because of the generosity of the people of our church, because of the obedience of the people in our church. You needed to hire that person for a year. We want to pay for their salary. Wouldn't that be great to be able to fund local initiatives like that? This is what we could do if people were, if everybody tithed. But you know what's better than that? And because I said, this is, not us about getting, this is not about us getting stuff. If everyone tithed, that means we would all be a group of people that were 100% committed to put God first in every area of life. And more than being able to fund local initiatives, there's no telling what God can do with a group of people that's simply willing to give everything. God, you have my heart no matter what. You gave it all for me. I'm willing to give it all for you right? A group of people at Homestead Church that all of us were willing to do that. There's no telling what God could do through that. I do need to mention this. Some of you might be thinking that I sound insensitive because you're thinking, don't you know what's going on in the world today, Pastor Jeff? Don't you know there's a global pandemic? Perhaps you haven't heard of COVID, uh, Pastor Jeff, job loss and economy and... uh, And you're thinking, why are you talking about money when there's people in the room here I know who have experienced job loss? Or maybe your hours have been cut. Or you're trying to figure out how in 2021 what the economy is going to look like because you have no idea. And you're thinking it's insensitive for me to mention that. I get it. But here is what I think. Because of what's going on in our world today, because we do not have any idea what the economy is going to look like in 2021, this is why it's so important for us to hear this right? This is why it's so important for us to get in line with God's idea of resources and how they should flow. This is why I want all of us to get this. And so I'm unashamedly going to preach on generosity, on complete surrender. Again, we don't need your money here. We don't want, I'm not asking you to, to give more. God is going to provide for Homestead Church. God wants to use you to do that. God wants to use us to do that. But more than that, I unashamedly preach this because we have to get in a position where we understand that God is our provider. We can be generous in any economy and God can provide for us in any economy. Amen? I am not concerned about God's ability to provide in a global pandemic for you and your family. He's done it before. He will do it again. He owns all the resources and he loves you. He is going to provide for his kids. I get saddened when in my heart or the heart of other believers, when I I get this feeling like we somehow question God's ability and his concern and his his willingness to provide for his kids. He loves his kids. He's going to provide for them. Amen? He's going to provide for them. So all of this to say, a mature faith is willing to give it all. A mature faith is willing to give it all. A mature faith is generous with resources, whether we have much or we have little, which is why I have an idea, okay? Here's my idea. I want us to focus on generosity between the weeks, between Thanksgiving and Christmas. Thanksgiving and Christmas can be very much a self-focused and we gotta, it's tight on finances and how are we gonna pay for Christmas presents and I get that, but here's what I know. We can be generous with our resources. I would love it between Thanksgiving and Christmas every year if Homestead just had this kind of initiative where we want to be generous outside of our church, local ministries, missionaries around the world, inner city outreaches, these sorts of things. So I want us to give and to be a blessing outside of Homestead Church as we wrap up 2020. And here's what I want you to know. Part of how we manage money at Homestead Church is we also want to tithe on what comes in. So all the money that comes in for offerings, we support the ministry of the church and we pay the bills. But everything that comes in, we, we want to do 10% that goes outside. We want to start with that. 10% of everything that comes in goes out to local missions or missionaries around the world. So we have done that so far in 2020 that would come out to be about $30,000 $30, that we want to send out. We haven't sent it all out yet. But here's what we have done. Because of your giving, we have been able to give over $17,000 to local and global missionaries, okay, which is awesome. And then we've all, yeah, let's do that. Let's clap for that. That's awesome. And then I was at a, a church planters event where I was training up younger church planters. Every time I go to that, I'm able to give them an offering. I say, you're a young church plant. We had churches pour into us. We want to we wanna sow a seed into your church plant. So that counts. So we've been able to fund other church plants. And here's what we have done um, so far this year. We've given to missionaries in East Africa. We've given to missionaries who are in inner city Minneapolis, ICCM. Um, Costa Rica missionaries in the Arab world, our friends in Panama. We have multiple missionaries in Africa and Kenya and then in Cambodia, another one in the Arab world. We are just started supporting a missionary to Thailand who's going to train up young church planters in Thailand. And then next week, we have someone coming missionary to China. So over the next two Sundays we 're going to have missionaries that come and share at our church. This is intentional. Because we're going to start this, the end. Of, we're going to end this year with the idea of we're going to be generous and we're going to bless and we're going to give. So, so far we've given over 17000 but if you're doing the math, if we take 10% of our income, that would be over $30,000 for the year. And so we have money left over that we're going to give. And we want to find local things and global things to give. I would love it if we could give Christmas presents to all the missionary kids just to make this a great Christmas for them. I'd love us to be able to talk to ICCM, Inner City Minneapolis, and say, what are some things that we could do? My parents are missionaries. They teach at a Bible college in Africa, in Zambia. And every year, they send out a Christmas, a Christmas wish list where they're like, hey, here's a local church. And it's, it's amazing the need, and it's amazing at, boy, we could solve some of these things. For example, they'll send out, and they'll say, there's a local church in Zambia that needs a new roof on their church building. Not a new roof, like re-shingle it, but they actually need a roof over their church, okay? Um, And for like $1,700, we could put a roof on a church, like stuff like that. I'm like, yeah, I would love to do that. I would love us to just think outside of us, the end of this year, I would love us to be able to say, we can fund that, we could, so here's the deal. We've got money left over in the general fund that we're gonna give, and I'm inviting you all in. So I don't know what we're gonna call it, We have a generosity fund that takes care of some needs of people in our church. If you want to give to the generosity fund, just write generosity in your offering. That's going to go to families in our church that are struggling right now. And then what we're going to do starting next week is we're just going to present needs around the world. And we've got money in the general fund that can go towards that. But I think as a church, if we were generous, we could add to that and just say, yeah, we want to just bless. We want to give out. So I think this could be something that is just built into the culture of our church where we know the end of the year, every year is we're given. We're given. We are trusting God. We're offering it all. And we are just being a blessing. I would love to help local church plants, church plants around the world, church plants in Thailand and churches that need a roof in Zambia. Uh, ICCM, downtown Minneapolis, they've got outreaches through Thanksgiving and Christmas where we could send volunteers, but we could also just underwrite big chunks of this. This would be fun. Would this not be fun? I can tell some of you think it would be fun. Here's the deal. I want us to just start thinking generously And not out of a scarcity mentality, but out of a God-flow-resource mentality where we're going to give and God's going to provide. Amen? I think we can do this. I want to bless the people in our church and outside our church. So this is going to be how we wrap up the year. This is going to be kind of the theme. We're going to have missionaries the next two weeks. We're going to try and get someone like from a local ministry this, this Sunday after that. And then through the Christmas season, I just want us to be thinking like this. Maybe talk to your kids. Maybe it would be just the biggest kingdom impact building thing in their life to say, you know what, you're still going to get Christmas presents, but what we want to do is take some of the money that we have set aside for Christmas presents for us and maybe do Christmas presents for someone in our community or for somebody around the world. I want us to start thinking about this. Let's give. I would love this money that we have left over in our general fund that we're going to go, I think, we could, I think we could cause that to grow. And it could just be a really, really fun season for us to say, yeah, look at all that we get to give away. Look at how we get to minister. So as we wrap up our series today on mature, a mature faith is generous. A mature faith is generous. It's not about collecting everything we can for ourselves, whether that's money or other resources. It's not about spending all our time on ourselves. It's generous. It's generous. We are the recipients of a God who gave everything for us. And so as a response, we just give everything to God. We're generous. We open up our hands. So let's just do this. Let's close our eyes. Let's, and maybe if you are here and just as an outward sign of what God's doing in your heart, just you might want to just open up your hands or lift up a hand and say, God, I give you everything. I want to live open-handed. I don't want to be governed by the fear of how I'm going to provide. But I want to give you everything because I know you're going to provide for me. Maybe you're here today and you've never made a decision to put Jesus first in your life, to receive his salvation, to give your life to him. You can do that same thing right now. Just say, Jesus, I need a savior. I'm fallen and I invite you and I receive your mercy. And now I put you first and I live for you. I declare that you are my Lord and my King. If you would just do that, you're a child of God. You're a follower of Jesus. And for the rest of us who have been Christians maybe a long time, it's just another reminder for us to say, God, it's all yours. It's all yours. Everything we have comes from you. We're not giving it to you. We're returning what's already yours. So how do you want us to use our resources, Lord? How do you want to flow resources through us to other people? How do you want to do this so that our hearts become fully devoted? We can tear down that idol of self-sufficiency and pride and materialism and greed. We want to loosen our grip on our lives so that you can flow through us. We want our lives to be marked by God's provision. We want our lives to be marked by a peace and a joy that comes that no matter what we face, we know that God is providing everything we need every day. So, Lord, help that peace and that joy and that obedience and that willingness and that surrender to come through in our lives. We pray all of these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Thank you, Homestead Church, for being with us today. Thanks for joining us over this series. Join us next week. There still will be a sermon, but we'll have some other missionaries joining us and sharing with us. I just invite you to be thinking of ways that we can be generous as we end out 2020. God bless you.